everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. We got a great guest for you today, Mr. Terry Darling. Terry, how you doing? Hey, Greg. Good morning, and thanks for having me on to uh, to talk today. It's great to be here. No, pleasure having you on. Terry owns Home Safe Inspections, and you're in the home inspection business. That's right. Uh, we're full-service home inspectors, and we cover from Monmouth all the way to Bergen County, all over New Jersey. Ah, that's great, Terry. And I want everyone to hear this out for a second. So we're going to, Terry and I are doing the podcast today, but this is going to be followed up by an on-site inspection that you're going to be able to view on YouTube and online. So it's going to be really great. We're going to talk about a lot of things that we're going to do uh, for that home inspection today. And then everyone's going to get to see it in video because it's kind of an unknown for someone that hasn't bought a house before what the process is like. Yeah. That's great. Uh, and setting expectation and, and making sure that the that buyer, especially the first time buyer, sort of knows what to expect on inspection and the type of information they're going to get. Sure. So before we start getting into it, Terry, tell us about you. How did you get into this business? We chatted a little off air, so I know the answer. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> My real estate career actually began on the appraisal side. I'm also a certified residential appraiser, and I have been for a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I started in the business that way. Uh, I learned as an independent fee appraiser. Right. I worked for Bank of America and Landsafe and CoreLogic as a staff appraiser for about 12 years sure. here in New Jersey. And, um, you know, a lot of changes with that industry, like every industry. I knew that um, I wanted to go into business for myself again, but I wanted to be in a business that was serving the client, sure. the person. Sure. Um, you know, I wanted to be in a business that the the client in the real estate transaction found value in. Sure. And um, also gave us a chance to really be in direct contact with that client. So um, that's really what led me into home inspection. And um, you know, we founded uh, Home Safe in 2019. Uh, we're growing every year. We're adding services every year, and we're trying to add value to the client experience all the time. That's great. Congratulations, Terry. And you know, I have a fondness for people in the appraisal business. <laughs> Terry and I were talking off air. I met my wife, Rachel, because she was a staff appraiser for Champion Mortgage at the time. And I think Terry may have handled some transactions for Champion back in the in the late 90s. <laughs> so you may have been on some other, we may have been on some deals together and didn't even know it. Yeah. All right, here we come full circle. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so... So you got into the business. It was a natural segue from coming from an appraisal background. So when you look at making that transition, all right, so you understand houses because you were an appraiser. How do you get into the technical aspect of it when you're going to start to inspect homes? Well, uh, the classroom side, the training for a home inspector is, is pretty significant. You're looking at 140 hours in the classroom uh, plus your apprenticeship time. So, and I was, very, very blessed to have some terrific mentors to work with me uh, directly here in New Jersey and also on the national level too. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that was terrific. Um, you know, there's a lot to learn. I, I've taken a lot of exams over my life. Um, there's probably not anyone that's more comprehensive than the home inspector exam Yeah. because really you're looking at building material and design and concepts from 1850 to the present day right? for the entire country. So you're looking at, you know, the way we build homes, the way we cool homes in, say, Arizona isn't the same as the, the way we cool a home here, sure, right? So there's just this vast amount of knowledge. But, um, you know, you commit to that and the training and... Uh, 
So when you so you get that 140 hours of classroom time, <clears throat> excuse me, and then we're uh, we have an apprenticeship. Now, does that class time include parts from all over the country, or do they focus specifically on kind of our tri-state area? Well, you're focused more primarily on uh, the Northeast, sure. right, and the building uh, styles and and designs here. But you really you are touching on everything, mm. uh, you know, to some degree too. So you, you're touching on. Um, you know, things that exist in the Southwest, uh, like swamp coolers for air conditioning that, you know, we're never going to see. It was a swamp cooler. Something you're never going to see, Greg, right? <laughs> Makes me so, uncomfortable. I know. It just sounds <laughs> strange, right? Um, so you do have to touch on some of those things too, but, um, okay. but yeah, your focus really was uh, mostly here. So, and that's good. So as a home inspector, what do you, what do you think your primary job is? Like, how do you see your role in the process? So, you know, in sort of everything I do, I always think about purpose, right? Like what's mm -hmm. the purpose, what drives you in the big things and the little things in life? Sure. And as a home inspector, the purpose of the inspector is a little bit different than the client's purpose. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a home inspection really is to find defects in the home, report them to the client, and then also teach the client how to operate that house, how to live in that house yeah. and operate it going forward so that it's healthy and safe for them, not just right now, but in, in years to come too. Mm. Um, and that's really like our why. Right. But um, the client side's a little different because a client looks at a home inspection and, and why does anybody ever hire a home inspector? And this really kind of goes back to why I got into this, this line of the business in sure. the first place. When you think about a real estate transaction, mm -hmm. right? You think about all the things that have to happen. You're well-versed in all those things, sure. right? From the agent to the mortgage, mm -hmm. title, appraisal, flood insurance on some properties, right? Yep. All of these things, they're all required, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, with some exceptions, if you're a cash buyer, you can eliminate the yeah. mortgage piece. But, but for the most part, they're all required pieces of the transaction. Correct. Like right. if you're getting a loan like a traditional home buyer, all of those things are needed to be done, yes. right? The home inspection, it's not. Yeah. It's an option, yeah. right? For all, for essentially all mortgage products, right? Optional. I mean, the the lender doesn't even usually see the home inspection. We don't want to see it, right? Matter of fact, it'd be super taboo to receive it because it's too granular for an yeah. underwriter to say, "Yes, oh my gosh, what's wrong with everything?" Right? Uh, well, hands up, right? Exactly. Um, so this is the one line of business that nobody needs, but if you're delivering value everybody should want. Right. And that's, that's well put. one of the reasons that really drove me to it and yeah. kind of pushed me away from the appraisal end because clients don't see value in that. Right. right. But in this, if you're delivering the kind of customer service experience, even if there are no defects or very few defects in a house, if you're giving someone that customer service experience, this is something they should find value in and want to have done. Um, and it's kind of curious because during the pandemic, you saw people passing on inspection mm -hmm. because it made their offer more attractive, right. you know, for one thing. Um, and so I felt like it made us sort of raise our game even more right. because here a lot of clients are passing on this. You may not be asking for things uh, on an a inspection contingency for a repair anyway or, right. or a credit anyway. Why do you still want to have this done? Because you're going to learn so much about that house yeah. that it's going to be a value to have a home inspection. You know, it was one of the downfalls of that COVID market, in my opinion, 
where the home inspection got eliminated in a lot of situations. And it's absolutely critical that people understand the house. Now, I've owned several houses over the course of time. You know, I don't understand how to operate it. I still, but you know, it's fine. Even in my house now, where's that water shut off again? Like, and it's, I love what you hit on with the educational end of it. Because yes, you have to go through the house. We're looking for technical issues. Mm -hmm. But so much of that as well is the education to the potential buyer of understanding how they operate everything. And for someone like me that can't hang a picture on the wall, you know, I need that. Yeah. Right. I need that. And had you inspected my house, they'd probably still be calling you. <laughs> Say, where is this, Terry? But, uh, but anyway, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so we're looking at the educational end of it, the technical end of it. I just want to drill down a little bit on the technical end of it. So when you go into a house, what are you looking for? Like, what's the process look like? Well, um, there are four major components. Um, you know, really of every home, the, the structure, structure and foundation, uh, plumbing and heating, electrical, um, you know, those are the main things that obviously you're looking at, but right. the home inspection is more comprehensive than that, of course. Sure. Um, we look at it, um, you know, when we're on inspection, we always like to sort of overlap. We like to go over things more than once. Every time you see a house, you know, you remember like the first time you see a house, you know, you're there for a couple of minutes, it's like a first date. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's great. And then you make an offer and you're like, oh, you're going to, you know, right. marry this house for 30 years after a first date. The second time you're there. I hate the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then that second time you're there, you're spending more time. You're seeing different yeah. things. Every t- And then after you move in, you're like, oh, I didn't notice that. Right. You know, uh, so you're always seeing more and more things, which is why on inspection, we have a, we formulate our policy or our protocol so that we overlap, um, you know, at least two times on every section of the house. But um, as far as a buyer and what they need to understand, like what's included, you brought up the water main where the shutoff is. Those things are vital on every inspection. You need to know that as a homeowner, Um, the the gas shutoff, where that's located as well. Sure. The electric main panel and shutoff and then any sub panels are obviously important. I can't wait wait to have you at my house inspecting it. (laughs) You're going to be taking notes. (laughs) Yeah, we have you write it on the wall for me, please. But anyway, I interrupted. All good. So Um, electrical, heating, plumbing, we're looking at structural. What are some, so when you go in, and those are all major concerns. So I know part of an inspection will be some other things as well, just to identify to the potential homeowner. So when you go in and look at structural, what are some red flags that you may say? Well, with structural, um, in the foundation, you're always looking for cracks, especially lateral cracks and movement in the foundation. Okay. Um, Prior repairs. I just want to clarify that. So lateral, what do you mean by that? So uh, the audience understands. Yeah. So, you know, um, Lateral cracks versus horizontal, yeah. there can be a real uh, significant difference in mm-hmm. what's actually happening and what's kind of moving. Okay. So, you know. So, lateral is going to be, that's kind of the vertical. Right. Right. And then you have horizontal. If lateral is more important, why? What Like, what's happening? It's actually really not. Lateral okay. cracks are more common, but oftentimes they're not really uh, too big of a red flag. It's that horizontal or that step crack that can okay. be uh, showing, you know, movement. Which, uh, which can be a bigger concern. Now, is there a certain size of a crack that's a big alarm? You Hairline, know, quarter in it. I've heard all sorts of different yeah, things. Yeah, usually if you can get the, you know, your fingertip in there, okay. uh, it's a little more of a concern. Um, I mean, most my, my home has, you know, foundational cracks too that have been sealed up. So you take a look at them over time. That's why keeping your inspection reports important as well. Yeah. And um, 
because you can look back at your photos and say, because how are you going to know? Did that really change over a year or not? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. so that's a good uh, reference point to go back and look at. Um, with structure, we always look at prior repairs. Yeah. Sometimes um, we've seen trusses cut in the attic, the structure where somebody's added air conditioning, an air handler later. They've cut trusses and all of a sudden. And that means kind of the actual wood, the two by fours that support the roof or Correct. the trusses. Yeah. Okay. And if those are cut, you know. Yikes. That's. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's typically not. Uh, so foundation and structure is definitely a big one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, roofing, of course, everybody wants to know. Right. You know, how long is your roof going to last? It's, I wish I could tell everybody, uh, you know. There's no crystal ball to know exactly how long it's going to last, but I want to come back to roofing in one second, but one more question on structural, because it's really important. So if we've identified something that, that it's not necessarily an issue, but it could be a potential concern and kind of my experience with that is most things you can fix, correct? If it, if it was really, it felt it was a big deal. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that anything's always necessarily a deal killer. It's just trying to understand what needs to get done and do we need a structural engineer or do we need to take it to the next level? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And even with structure, almost everything can be fixed. There are very few homes that, you know, you go, there's, you know, nothing you can do here. Right. Um, in fact, we've never really had anything like that. So, but a, a client, a buyer can hear, oh, structure and, you know, it's an alarm. It's a it red is. flag. Exactly. Oh but, my God, the structure, it's going to collapse while I'm sleeping. But a lot of times it's, you know, a cracked or broken joist. Right. And it's pretty easy to just sister that and fix it. And mm -hmm. it's really not even all that expensive and, and pretty easy to do. So, okay. um, you know, whatever the information is, how you give it to the client, how you explain it to them, it really goes a long way because um, you just tell someone, hey, broken joist needs to be replaced, you know, you could have somebody running for the hills when really if they understand how it's corrected and know that it's really not that big a deal, mm -hmm. you know, the repairs, yeah. no, nothing that can't be overcome. Right. It's know? the information with it. Yeah. And coming, coming back to the roof, cause that's going to be a common one. That's what the average person like myself would say. Yeah. Hey, how long is this roof going to be good for? How long is the HVAC system good for? Right. We want to know that. So when you look at a roof, what are some of the telltale signs of, longevity of that roof remaining longevity well with a roof we always try to find out in a disclosure you know when it was replaced last okay. but again some people don't always know some people may not be you know completely forthcoming yeah so so there is that um architectural shingle roofs you know the modern day asphalt shingle roof mm -hmm. They do show their age really well. You know, right. it's hard to tell if one's five years old or 15 years old. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the old three-tab roof, you kind of had a better idea because of the way they aged. Um, the good news with the architectural shingle roof is it's a 30-year roof, you right. know, if it's installed correctly. So you do you usually get a lot of life out of them. Um, you know, with a roof inspection, we either walk it or we fly it. Mm. Or we do both. You know, if we right. can do both, we'll certainly do that as well. Um, I always like to walk a roof if we can, because you learn, you know, you just, you're on it. You know, right. you're going to learn more about it. Um, but you're a braver man than me. So you're walking <laughs> around on the roof. I had to change the floodlights that are up in my roof. And I shimmied off up on that roof and I changed them. Yeah. And I'm like... Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> How am I going to get off? And I kind of down on my belly trying to get out. Anyways, I, I don't mean to digress. So, but it's common though for you to use a drone to look at uh, the roofing. Yeah, the drone's been great. Okay. Um, you know, it 
um, it, it lets us go places that we just normally couldn't go for safety reasons and, you know, different things like that. Um, so it's terrific and, you know, clients love it cause you get great footage from all angles. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Now, how about from an electrical standpoint, what are some of the main things that we're looking at? Yeah. So with the electrical portion of the home inspection, yeah. um, obviously we're going to operate all the fixtures, switches, you know, everything we can operate in the home, we will, but we look at the electrical system at the panel, um, at the service entry, and then also at the panel too. So we take the panel cover off. We're going to inspect the inside of it to make sure it was wired properly. Um, some of the most common defects we find are double tap breakers, double tap neutrals, where where a breaker has two wires, you know, attached to it, where it should only have one. Okay. Things like that that you know a homeowner is just not going to see. And also, you know, if you bring you know dad or or Uncle Joe who's a contractor, they're not going to take the panel cover off for right. you. You know, they're not licensed and insured as an inspector to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are things that you're going to miss if you're going to, you know, choose to skip on the inspection. Yeah, that that makes sense. You see any fuse boxes anymore? Very rarely. Okay. Sometimes they're left over. Uh, very rarely. But you know what we see often in New Jersey still are yeah. the Federal Pacific panels. So what's that mean? So the Federal Pacific panels were in use from the 50s to about the 80s. Okay. They were made uh, right here in Newark, New Jersey, which is why you see so many here. Okay. And they have a really high failure rate. Their failure rate's about 25%. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, which well, What's means, failure mean? So Federal Pacific uh, panels utilize uh, stab lock breakers. Okay. If you ever see a stab lock breaker, uh, it has uh, red on the tip on the end of it. Okay. You'll see um, they can overheat for wow. really no reason. Huh. Um, and so that's why... They're not in use anymore, and it used to be, and I think it still is, where FHA would not loan okay. on a home with a with a Federal Pacific panel. Mm-hmm. So anytime we see a Federal Pacific panel, we immediately call for for it to be replaced. Okay, and as far as I know, every home inspector in New Jersey does. Right. Um, you just they're, they're, they're dangerous. High, yeah, they're too high a failure rate. So that's right. something that you see, know, and we, that's something if you bring over Uncle Bob or Aunt Sally that's going to inspect it, they don't know. They right. may not know. Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, it's unless that's what you do. Right. And that's one thing, too, that uh, our realtor friends, too, when they're looking at a, a listing uh, appointment, you right. know, to take a listing, as you're kind of walking through the house, if you see something like a Federal Pacific panel, that's something you can, you know, counsel that client on and say, listen, we're going to have to look to either replace this or a seller, a buyer is going to look mm-hmm. for a credit for this. So, you know, keep that in mind as you're getting ready to list the house. It wouldn't be a terrible idea with permission to be able to take a picture of it and send it to you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So at least you can kind of take a quick look at it. And if it. they have a, uh, a question or a doubt, then, you know, we can help out without even having to make a site visit. Sure. You know? So I, I wanted something else popped into my mind with that. So as a home seller, is it a good idea for me to get an inspection done prior to listing my house for sale? That's a good question. And uh, just yesterday, we got a call from from a, uh, a client who booked us for his mother's house. There, she um, will eventually be going into a healthcare situation mm-hmm. or, you know, um, assisted home, living. Yeah, assisted yeah. living situation. And so he's looking down the road to do that later this year. House was built in 1860, Ooh. it was a cider mill. It was used as a cider mill when it was built, and it's been huh. converted to a house. He lives in Connecticut, so he's not the everyday user of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the typical client for a pre-listing inspection is someone who's not the everyday user. So someone who's inheriting or a landlord 
who had a tenant occupant who's not there every day, you may not really have the kind of understanding of what issues the house may have. Mm-hmm. And um, pre-listing inspections are good really for, for anybody to, to get an idea like that. Sure. Uh, but especially those people that don't use the house every day. That makes sense. So that as you're looking to market it, you're kind of going in with your eyes wide open on what the typical buyer is going to expect to either have fixed or have a credit. It almost seems critical to have it done if you're not familiar with the house at all. You got to at least understand what's going on in the house. Yeah, I think it is really helpful. Okay. Now, I, I want to jump back over to like heating and, and plumbing and all of that. So, so what do we look for? How long is my air conditioning unit good for? Yeah. So we do look at all those things. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll test and operate everything we can. Yeah. And then we'll also report on the age. Right. Right. Um, you can never guess, right? You can't look in the future and go, oh, this is going to last, you know, however long, you know, it's going to be five more years. Right. Because, you know, some units, I bought a house in 2007 and the water heater was 29 years old mm-hmm. and it was working great. It shouldn't have been working anymore. Right. And it was the first thing I replaced before it went out. Right. But, you know, a water heater typically lasts about 10 years and that was going on 30. So, you know, with proper maintenance and a little bit of luck, things can last a lot longer than they should. <laughs> right. But uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared to replace it. Right. And so that's kind of how we counsel people. You know, your air conditioning unit, um, you can expect it to last about 15 years or so. But if it's 13 years old and it goes out next year, you shouldn't be overly surprised because okay. you know, it's getting to be of that age. Yeah. Uh, so that's really how we counsel people because you can't tell anybody, oh, this is going to last another year or whatever. Um, you just need to say, be prepared to replace this because, you know, it's getting to be sure. around Get that time. information. You just need to know if you're going to buy the house. All right. This may have a, a five-year shelf life. Could have a two-year, a 10-year. Right. But just understanding what you're getting into when you're purchasing the home. And then sometimes there's other information available. So yeah. sometimes you have that seller who's been, you know, a little bit OCD or just a really very, uh, you know, maintenance savvy seller. And you see they've got uh, records where an HVAC technician has been here every year for the right. last 10 years and they're taking really good care of that furnace. Right. Well, I would expect that furnace is probably going to last, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to somebody who hasn't changed the filter, you know, in three years and it's got dust hanging all over it. That person probably isn't. Have you been to my house? <laughs> <laughs> no secrets okay. here. No secrets, Greg. Right. Um, but yeah, sometimes you learn things too that feel like... Um, this component or system has a better shot sure. at a longer life than another one. You know, it's also important when they come in, there's different types of systems. So there's that forced hot air system. Right. There's like the, the boiler. Yeah. Oh, the boiler. I've been down <laughs> that road before, but it's, uh, you know, there's so many different options, right? And they have different functionality, different maintenance, different lifespans. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, just my personal experience, but I feel like the forced hot air system seems to last longer than something that has water pumping through it. This is my personal experience. And, um, you know, the teaching part of teaching a client, like what to do and what to expect on things like that's really important because maintenance on a furnace, right? That's a hot air system is completely different. And if you have a steam boiler system, that there are different things. You, you, you may have a system you need to, to bleed it out, you know, to bleed the, the water out of it right. uh, on a weekly basis. And um, the hot air system is a little different. If it's split, you know, the air is running through that air handler all year through your air conditioning and your heating. Right. And so you need to know. You need to change that filter throughout the year, not just yeah. in the wintertime. Yeah. You know? Have some bad, order them ahead of time, everybody. That's, <laughs> Make you, sure you have them ready to go. And you I know learned what? that one. I tell people that too. And yeah. the other thing people like to do now is you can set up Amazon to just send you something, you know, 
uh, periodically, right? So yeah. if you need that filter every three months, all of a sudden, boom, it just shows up on the porch. You know, that's, that's a great idea. Change it, you know? Right. Because you never remember. No, people don't. You people don't. don't. You're caught up in your own life. You don't think about changing that filter. Yeah, especially if you don't see it. If it's not somewhere, you're walking by it every day. Right. Yeah. Now, so those are some of the major things that, that we're looking at. What are some of the other things that we want to look at when we're going through a house? Well, the, the high level. The kitchen. The kitchen is big, yeah. right? So uh, the kitchen, we operate everything in the kitchen from the cabinets, windows, all the fixtures, electric and plumbing fixtures, and then all the appliances. So, you know, you want to know your appliances work. Um, and then we also document those for age. Okay. Because you need to know, you know, how yeah. old is something and when can you expect it to, to you know, go out. Do you find certain brands have a longer lifespan than other brands? You know, I don't think so, Greg. I mean, I've seen certain things go out, you know, and even myself, like I had a great dishwasher that I spent. I have a Bosch dishwasher versus GE. I mean, what the heck's the difference? I don't know, but I spent a lot of money on a dishwasher once and it lasted 18 months. And so I bought a a brand that I thought... (laughs) probably inferior and it's still going strong. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I think it's probably anecdotal a little bit and, um, just, you know, sometimes you get a car that's great one brand and sometimes, you know, same brand and it's a lemon. And sometimes even the individual unit that you buy, right? Yeah. So you could have two of the same brand and one's a lemon, one's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the appliance thing, um, that's one thing that, um, even makes a new construction inspection of value. Mm -hmm. Um, Appliance technicians typically put an appliance in, leave all the packing in it, and never test it. And people, I think, right. who are buying new construction don't realize that. But mm. one of the things we usually do is we take apart all the packing in the stove, and we take apart the dishwasher and run it. Because, I mean, who would think you're going to put something in and not test it? But technicians just really don't. That's pretty pretty common. That's a great point. I can't think of anything that make your head blow up more than you buy new construction. It's brand new. You turn it on. It doesn't work right. Yeah. Right? right? I just spent all this money and you can, you kind of see the, the spiral there. Yeah. Right? And it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, we had a trainee out with us two weeks ago and, uh, he was on three, three jobs in a row. And funny enough, he, every dishwasher was a problem and two of them were new construction. Okay. And, uh, so huh. we've nicknamed him dishwasher now because <laughs> he's got some <laughs> luck with dishwashers, but, um, but yeah, that happens more often than you think. And I want to come to your team for a second. Cause I know you have a team of inspectors that work for your company. Do you have people that specialize in particular areas or can everyone do the full inspection? Um, our inspectors can do, you know, a full inspection. However, we do specialize a little bit. We okay. do have inspectors who are, um, Sewer inspection uh, certified. Mm. Um, we have inspectors who are FAA drone licensed pilots because you have to be a licensed pilot to operate uh, the drone professionally. Okay. Um, so yeah, we do specialize as well. We have radon technicians. We so our inspectors have opportunity to, to expand their professional expertise within mm-hmm. the company, and uh, we always encourage people to do that. Before we come back to the interior of the house, I want to talk about the sewer inspection that you just brought up. So, you know, my thought on is, okay, well, it's a sewer system. I don't know, source, I don't even own the sewer system. <laughs> what could potentially be the problem there? Yeah. What do you say? Well, so the, the sewer line inspection, um, really what, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to visually see the lateral sewer line that runs from the house all the way to the municipal sewer line in the street mm-hmm. or, or the septic tank, uh, if you have to be on septic. And why is that important? Well, you know, if you can't see it, you don't know what's happening. Right. Um, we have a lot of older housing stock in New Jersey, 
and uh, cast iron sewer pipes are common. That's what I have in my home too. My mm-hmm. home was built in the twenties. Uh, cast iron lines have a typical life of about 75 years or so. Okay. And they deteriorate. Um, but other lines as well, even PVC lines, we find issues with, um, we had a four year old house earlier this past fall that had a pretty severe blockage in it. Uh, that one had a snub nosed screwdriver stuck Uh, in it. How do you get that down the toilet? Well, who that, flushed a screwdriver so, down the toilet? So this could have been uh, a construction That's guy. It, okay, it could have been yeah. when it was open still, uh, like during sense, construction right? and someone dropped it, it fell in. Sure. Right. That's probably more likely with that one. Okay. Um, we had a squirrel. We had a squirrel in the line. Huh. Um, just this last fall too. That was a bad day for that squirrel. Uh, but you do see odd things. The m- most common thing with lines are uh, root penetrations. So tree roots yeah. will get in, especially where the lines connect at the offsets. Mm-hmm. That can cause a blockage. Um, if a, a line can uh, have a belly or be sunken, so if it's not properly supported underneath it, you can get a, a dip in it. Mm-hmm. It can cause backups. There's a lot of issues with mm-hmm. sewer lines because you just don't really know what's happening underneath. So, Whose responsibility is that? Is it the responsibility of the homeowner? It is. Ooh. It is. If it's on your property from where it runs to the home, out to the municipal line, it is your responsibility. Oh my God, what a disaster, right? You got to tear up your yard, you yeah. got to replace the pipe. Incredibly expensive to, oh, to sure. replace uh, sewer lines. So that was one of the things that we talked a little bit before about uh, the pandemic time and uh, clients skipping on the inspection. Mm. That was something that more and more clients were adding on because even when a buyer's negotiating power was softer on the inspection front, mm-hmm. that was something that they felt strongly if there was an issue with the sewer line, they could push the seller to fix it right. because it's so significant. Uh, so we ended up doing more sewer scopes in 21, um, you know, than ever because yeah. of that reason. So it makes sense. Yeah. You know, and if anyone's ever been there and had it backed up, I remember the first house that we ever bought, mm-hmm. we had a, it was a septic system mm-hmm. and like the distribution box collapsed. We'll talk about septic in a second. You flush the toilet. It started with you flush the toilet. I lived in the house for a week. Oh, no. Yeah. And you know what? The inspector, I just don't feel like he did a good job. And maybe there wasn't a way to figure it out, but that's another story. Started with, first I flushed the toilet. But five seconds later, I saw water coming onto the lawn. I was like, huh. Oh, boy. And then, of course, I think I'm seeing things. I'm like, honey, (laughs) can you flush the toilet, please? Trickle, 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 trickle. Like, uh oh, we got a problem. And then eventually just it just backed up, right? Then you flush the toilet and it just the water starts coming into your house, mm. into the bathroom. It was a disaster. And had we we didn't know. And did it collapse in a week? I don't know that it did, but I don't think anyone ever inspected it properly. Mm. So uh, kind of shifting gears on that, when you look at septic inspections, you know, what do you look for in those? Well, you're looking for the same sort of things in the line, right? Okay. As it runs out to the septic uh, and where it connects. And um, with septic, I mean, the condition of the line, the material of the line is very important. Um, and then... When you say material, like PVC pipe? Or, right, okay. yeah, what it's really made of. And then, um, you know, with a septic system, we always recommend to have the whole system looked at too, which okay. really you're going to open it up and look at the septic itself. Leach field, all those things. Yeah, okay. right. And I mean, a lot of times if you have a seller who's done a good job with their maintenance and their records, mm-hmm. sometimes that can make a buyer feel confident too. Sure. Uh, I mean, really that's what, 
that's what the inspection process is for, right? Is to help a buyer feel more confident about the purchase that they're going to make mm-hmm. or to learn, you know, if there's something else here that either needs to be corrected or, you know, in those rare circumstances too, that, you know, maybe this is too much for me and I want to take a pass, but really it's informational so that they, a buyer can be, you know, more confident in their decision. Sure. So when you're looking at the septic portion of it, you're looking at the leach field and all of that, making sure everything's absorbing properly. Right. Yeah. And there's no, uh, you know, there's no water coming the up. Baffles and, off. Yeah. I mean, people that have been there know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to know that's another very expensive job. Yeah. I mean, you have to replace your septic system. Big money. That's right. Especially if there's a, a smaller issue issue and sludge gets into the leach field, it's a, it's a mess. And, it can be. You know, fortunately, I know from personal experience. Sorry, it's rough, especially after a week. Hey, do you ever? Oh, it was awful. The oil, the boiler went within a couple of uh, within a month, and I didn't, we didn't have any money. I had to borrow money from my parents to get it fixed at yeah. the time. I I had to pay them back too. They didn't just let me skate on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you see any cesspools at all anymore? Um, not really in most of our areas in Jersey. No. Okay. Yeah. So we were up in uh, Sussex County at the time. So yeah. you probably see more of them up there. All right. So next question is how about oil tanks? Do you do an oil tank sweep or do you recommend it for everything? Yeah, we really do. Yeah. Um, you know, in New Jersey, oil tanks were really common. Uh, and even with a new construction property, if, if you're not sure what was on that property before, um, an mm. oil tank sweep to, indicate anything that might be an underground storage tank is the best way to protect yourself and your investment. What's it like a metal detector? It really is. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a, a big time metal detector. Um, the oil tank inspectors also look for other things too, as far as um, like lines that were cut where they penetrate into the basement, okay. you know, through the wall, things like that. Um, and then our inspectors can, um, you know, test, test for leaks mm. uh, if they find a tank as well. Um, a lot of tanks, we just had one in Jersey city where, um, we found the tank, they had filled it with sand in the nineties. Cause that, that seemed was, to be common, right? You common. just cut it and fill it. That's right. But, um, you know, the typical buyer now that's not really adequate enough because right. you still want to make sure you're protected. Um, I tell people you want to protect that investment. A home inspection is a good way. The oil tank sweep is really even a better way. Um, if you have an oil tank that's leaking, it gets into the groundwater, it's carried to neighboring properties. That homeowner is responsible for the contamination on any of those properties. Right. It's potentially, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, I mean, an oil tank sweep is the best thing you can do to protect yourself. Sure. I wouldn't buy a property in Jersey without a tank sweep. Yeah, no, makes sense, Terry. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, Greg Wareham, Terry Darling. He's a fantastic name, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we're going to come right back at you and wrap up. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Terry. Hey, welcome back to Your Mortgage Process, everybody. I'm Greg Wareham, and we have Terry Darling with us today. You know what, Terry? I'm going to spare you the Zsa, Zsa Gabor thing, <laughs> and you must have gotten that a million times. Yeah, right? definitely so. <laughs> but hey, listen, it, it, when people remember your name, it's a good thing, yeah, so it's great. you'll take it. You know? you know, it's funny. When I uh, told Rachel that I was talking to you, she goes, I know Terry Darling. I love his name. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the radon inspection. So what's that process look like? And why is it important? Yeah, so really, I mean, that's good. You get back to the why there. Yeah. So, so radon's a naturally occurring radioactive gas, and it's everywhere. It's 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 everywhere all over the country. Right. Um, you know, even outside, you're on the sidewalk, you're going to inhale some level of radon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when a seller says, "Oh, there's no, you're not going to find radon in our house," there's radon in every house. The reason we test is 
you want to know if it's at a level that is dangerous to your lung health or not. Sure. Um, behind cigarette smoke, radon is the the leading cause of lung cancer. Really? And um, you know, I was in radon class two weeks ago. Um, I learned wow. that um, if it weren't for um, gun deaths and cigarette deaths, radon would be the largest killer of human beings in the United States. Oh my goodness! So uh, you know, radon is important, and that's not to scare everyone. It's just to understand. Yeah. Right? And it, uh, so about twenty five percent of homes in New Jersey have high radon level, meaning above four point zero. Okay. Uh, picocuries per liter, which is what the EPA says we should mitigate at. Okay. Um, how to make it easy to understand. 4.0 picocuries per liter, uh, if you're living in a house with that level of radon, uh, is about equivalent to smoking about eight cigarettes a day. Okay. Right? So um, imagine, you know, if your three-year-old were living in that house. Right. That's not what you want, right? Right, right. So you want to test for that and know. The other things with radon, too, are, um, you know, how, how you use the house. Uh, we were just talking before, I have a basement uh, mm -hmm. office in my house, Right. right? And, I heard it um, has great drywall. <laughs> <laughs> the drywall guy was questionable for right. sure. Um, Don't do it yourself, everybody. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But the, there were days where that was my everyday office. Yeah. So I was in there, you know, hours and hours a day. And a lot of people are like that in their basement. So if you're in a space for a long time with exposure, it might be something that's, you know, um, a bigger issue. Or if you have previous uh, lung issues, right? If you have someone who had uh, lung cancer, emphysema, or maybe even long COVID right. who lives in the home, um, you know, maybe you want to consider a system, but it's uh, one of the things that we usually test for with a real estate transaction. So you know if the level's high or not. Um, the good news with radon is it's always, I've, I've never seen it where it couldn't be mitigated to a level that's safe. And uh, mitigation usually isn't all that expensive. Usually, right. it's less than about four or five thousand dollars to mitigate a system. And just a fan, a fan blowing it out of the it's, house. Uh, pretty much, that's it, Greg. You, you have a little bit uh, as far as plumbing goes. You're going to have um, it. Almost looks like a sump pump pit yeah. that's secured in the basement floor mm -hmm. or the foundation floor, and then the plumbing is attached to that with a fan, right? Okay. And it's just going to dispel those gases up and out of the house. Um, so, you know, radon's important. It's good to know what your level is. So, you know, it's safe or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it should never be something that kills the deal on a house anyway, because it like everything else, it can be fixed. Yeah. it can be fixed and it occurs everywhere. Yeah. And it would accumulate in the basement because it's in the earth, right? Right. Okay. So really it's coming up through the ground yeah. and it's coming through cracks and holes in the foundation floor, uh, sump pump pits, mm. things like that. You know, um, that's why it's different everywhere. I mean, the, the radon in my house is about 1.2. Okay. I, I tested every other year and I've mm -hmm. tested about eight houses on my block. I live in Union County. Mm -hmm. um, they've all been between 0.8 and 1.3 or 4. There's one house. It's four doors down from us. It's 3.9. It's just the randomness of where they are in the earth. That's it. Radon huh. doesn't know where your property line begins and ends. It doesn't wow. care. Yeah. So, Hey, Terry, what's the most common problem that you see? Probably the most significant issues we see are with roofs yeah. and uh, with structure, because those are things that can be very expensive. Um, as far as the most common problem, it's probably just routine maintenance things, right. like a loose handrail or a missing handrail yeah. or something like that. Uh, and we see a lot of electrical deficiencies because people can do some of their own electric, they'll put in their own outlets, things like that. Right. Um, you know, maybe electric hasn't been updated in a long time, so mm -hmm. it's not up to code anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think electrical deficiencies are, are really common. We find them on almost any almost any. Home. And again, they're not deal killers. It's just understanding what the issue is and does it need remediated? Correct. Right. Yeah, that's and it. Understand what you're getting into. Right. So when you look at doing the overall inspection, what kind of time is associated with it? You come in for 20 minutes yeah. or you're there for two days? That's a really good question, especially for a first time buyer who, who doesn't really have, uh, you know, their, their expectations set right. right on time. But um, time, we, we counsel people budget about an hour per thousand square feet okay. of, of, of the home, right? So you're a 3,000 square foot home, you're looking at about three hours okay. you know, for the home inspection. Now, if you're going to add additional services, if we're going to do a sewer inspection for you as well, uh, you know, that's going to take a little more time, right? So you add time for that. Mm -hmm. But um, about three hours, you know, for, for okay. your typical home, two and a half to three hours. And we always encourage people to be there for the inspection. You can learn more that way. Uh, it's also probably your biggest chance as a buyer or your first chance to spend significant time in the house, sure. right? You go to that first showing or you go to an open house and it's like you're there for 15 minutes. Right. It's like you go on that first date and you're like, hey, let's get married after 15 <laughs> minutes. So uh, at the home inspection, you're there a little longer, which is nice. Um, we always encourage people to be there, but we encourage our clients, um, you know, if you can be there for the second half of the inspection, it's more important. If right. you can be there for the entire time, that first part of the inspection, you can take that time and spend some time with the house, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a chance to maybe spend a little more time than you have. You can think about where your furniture can go or what new furniture maybe you need. Yeah, um, We're not going to have all that much information to give you originally anyway until we test the components in the house. You know, we can't just show up at a house, pull up and look at it and tell you everything wrong with it. Well, we got to test it, right? Yeah. We got to go through the things. So what we do is we start in the basement, really. We start on the outside, but once we go inside, we start in the basement where the major components are. Right. And then we work our way up throughout the house inspecting it. Mm -hmm. And then what we like to do is bring the client in with us and go over everything backwards. Okay. We'll start at the top of the house and we'll go back down through the house together, explain everything, answer questions, mm -hmm. talk about maintenance things. We, we do it that way for a couple of reasons, Greg. And, and one is it does give the client a chance to go through the house, right? And spend some time on their own. Sure. But the other thing is it puts our eyes as inspectors on everything at least two times mm -hmm. that way. Right. And you're a lot less That's likely to miss something significant if you're looking at it a second time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we do like to do it that way. And that way, you know, the client has a, a really stellar customer experience as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, because I'm thinking, I, I think three hours as someone that has a, and I have a relatively short attention span. I, I like what you said about, you know, you're spending some time to get to know the house. Yeah. I'm thinking, let you do your job for a little bit, get an idea as to getting familiar with the house, so then you can come back and explain it to me, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to be necessarily attached to your hip the whole time, even though I can see some people would be. Some people would be, and yeah. some people are. Yeah. But the inspection usually is more efficient, and it's also more thorough. Right. Because you can imagine, like, imagine you go to your mechanic and you give him the keys and they put the, the car up on the lift and you're asking him questions the whole time. <laughs> and he forgets something because yeah. he's trying to give you his focus to you while he's right. doing his job too. Yeah, great point. Um, you know, that's why it, when we have a client who wants to be with us the whole time, um, especially when we're in the electrical panel, I always tell them, listen, this is the most dangerous part of my job. And it's the part where I need to be most focused so I know this is safe for you. So right. I'm going to need a few minutes here. Sure. Usually if it's uh, like a parrot on your shoulder, usually it's dad. It's usually not the client. Right. And I understand I'm a dad too. Uh, but we want to give the most thorough job we can. And sometimes that means really being focused on the job at hand mm -hmm. and then teaching back our findings. And that's yeah. usually 
usually the best way. No, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Hey, what's the worst thing that you've ever seen? Probably the hoarding situations are, yeah. are some of the worst. Yeah. Because uh, you know, there's there's like there's significant mental illness there too sure. that causes things like that. Sure. Um, those well, are some of the worst. And things. You really can't in- inspect a house that's in that current condition. Like, how could you possibly do it? It's difficult. And so yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because you know part of for our, for our real estate agents uh, and our on the listing side, mm-hmm. part of having a positive and, and quality expect- inspection experience is setting the expectation for the occupant of the house, which is often the seller, but sometimes it's not. And right. usually the hoarding issues, it's, it's often with tenants. But you can mm-hmm. only inspect what you could see and touch. Right. Uh, if, you know, and if you can't get to certain things, then you can't be as thorough as you would like to be. So sure. you know, setting those expectations and saying, you know, have the house prepared for inspection, um, making sure that the vehicles are off the driveway so the oil tank sweep guy can, uh, you know, can scan the whole property. Sure. Uh, making sure you can get to that electric panel because you don't have things up in front of it. And, um, you know, yeah, those things make an inspection more thorough. A more thorough inspection makes for a more confident buyer. Yeah. Confident buyers close. Right. That's great. A great way to put it. Definitely. Yeah. Is there any such thing as a perfect house? I haven't seen it yet. Right. I've seen a lot of beautiful homes, a lot of new construction that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost always find something. Right. But even if you don't find a defect... Talking that buyer through um, what your life experience is going to be like and what does this house need from you to keep it as healthy and safe as it is today. Um, Even if you don't find significant defects, we always try to deliver value for people. And I think that's one thing we do. Um, You know, when you're there in the summertime, a house is maybe going to perform a little differently than it's going to perform in February, Mm -hmm. unless it's 70 degrees in February like it's been this year. But... um, (laughs) You know, teaching people is a big part of this job. Yeah. Um, we talked about different heating systems before. A lot of times clients are leaving, say, the city or Hudson County. Yeah. They're leaving condo life. They're not a first-time home owner per se, mm. but they're a first-time detached homeowner. Yeah. And it's different. Huge difference. Right. And they're yeah. like, I, I, all these things I didn't know. So right. there's always things to learn. Even with that sort of perfect house, I think there are, you know, valuable things to the inspection. That's great. That's a great uh, perspective on it. And it's kind of just reinforcing, again, the the coaching that's associated with it, right? It's a, it's half the inspection, understanding the house that you're buying, what you're getting into. It is. You you're know? right. And one of the things that we also stress with clients is um, this is an inspection, but this is not a, a, we don't look at it as a transaction. Right. We look at it as the beginning of a relationship. So, you know, if you need us after you get the report, after you close on the loan, after the seasons change, you know, you can always reach out to us. We're not a home inspection firm that doesn't answer the phone. We want to hear from our past clients with the things that they need. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to make sure that we're there for them. We're going to trade up to that next house or buy that vacation home or whatever it is. And that means this is a relationship that we want to continue going forward. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings on a home warranty? Buying one from a warranty company for everything, you need to be careful. They don't, all of them um, cover quite as much as you might think. Right. Um, and that's why I like the, the worry-free warranty through the service provider. Because okay. it, you can choose which appliances you're going to cover. So, for instance, if you have a, a home buyer who's buying a home that's 15 years old, relatively young, right? right? But the appliances are all of them getting near the end of their expected life. Sure. But, you know... 
the seller is going to say, hey, listen, they tested all of these things during the inspection. Everything worked. Mm. I'm not going to replace it for you. And quite frankly, like I wouldn't replace it if I lived in the house either, right? right. That warrant, worry-free warranty can give you a bit of peace of mind mm. to say, all right, if the furnace goes out next year, you know, for if a few you can limit on, your exposure on it. Exactly. Right? You and pay you, the deductible and they fix it or that, replace it, whatever it is. That's it. And yeah. you have to expect that all of these appliances in the house aren't going to last for the next 10 or 15 years. Right. Some of them are going to go out because of their age. So it really kind of yeah. covers you there. And, you know, that's that's a big thing for people to understand, too, especially if you're coming from condo life or your first time home buyer. You have to be prepared, excuse me, prepared to invest in your house. Right. Like they just don't run, yeah, right? That's right. No different than getting your oil changed, have your, your car run for a long period of time. Like houses cost money they and there's do. maintenance. And they need care, just like children. Like they need you to invest in them. You're right. They do. I like that. Just like children. <laughs> Kids do need that. That's right. <laughs> They're high maintenance. <laughs> uh, God love them. <laughs> what do you have? Four, right? I have four. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we're 21, eight, 21, 19, 16, and 14. Okay. How many kids do you have, Terry? I have two. Uh, boys. Four, go ahead. 14-year-old girl and 11-year-old boy. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Aren't they great? They're terrific. But yeah. they do need a lot. They need time. They need care. Just like a house. They, just, they need money. That's <laughs> <laughs> too. They need love. They need a lot of things. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to my experience when I purchased my first home. And I had all these things blow up on the, on the house after I bought it. Yeah. What kind of liability does a home inspector have? Yeah. So uh, a home inspector, you know, just like any professional who's in the home does have uh, liability. Right. Um, and that's why from a real estate perspective, you always have an agent with you at the inspection. And we also try to limit the number of people on the inspection. Right. right. Because if you have if you have a. If you have a family reunion at the home inspection, there's always people walking around, testing things, yeah. trying things. Yeah. And we've had issues with that. Like I had. um a couple of things that were broken by other people on home inspections. So, really? Yeah. And, but, and we were responsible right. while we're in the building, I'm responsible for the building. So, you know, right. there's that, but also we have liability of course, right. after the fact for things we miss. And, um, that's why, you know, we talk about dad, we, we don't encourage, you know, clients to typically bring dad. I know, you know, I'm a dad, you always want to take care of your kids and I get right. that, but we want to focus on our clients uh, during the inspection and, you know, giving them information. And some, one of the things we often say is dad hunts for mice, home inspectors hunt for elephants. Right. And, and the elephants are the it. things that are, you know, could potentially, you know, cost you a lot of money or kill you. Right. And so we want to focus on those things. It doesn't mean we won't find the mice along the way, but we have a different perspective on things. And, um, Sometimes it can be distracting to have too many people there. No, know? that's a good point because it's not emotional either. Like anytime right. you have, when you're buying a house, it's an emotional process. Mm -hmm. Then you put the parents in there. That's even more emotional. Right. Oh, you make sure everything's perfect for my kids, which yeah. you can both relate to. But you're doing it from a professional paradigm. And I love that you're hunting for elephants and not for mice. Not that you don't point all that out, but you really got to look at the things that are dangerous or could be a potential money sucker down the line. Right. So Terry, you had mentioned that you had to go back and do some radon training. Is that regular? Is it continuing education associated with what you do? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the, the radon training from uh, last week is something we do on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And it's part of our uh, overall 
continuing ed that's required. Sure. As a home inspector, you're required to complete 40 hours of continuing education every wow. cycle. So it's yeah. uh, every two years. Okay. So it kind of feels like I'm in school every week. Uh, and, uh, you know, on this job, they tell you, you, you finish your schooling and then you really start to learn when you start to work. And that's true. Yeah. Uh, but with building, things change all the time too. You know, building code change, uh, practices change. So we're constantly learning uh, new things. And uh, yeah. You know, I got another question that's popped into my head was, I know you know everything, <laughs> but if there's something you were gray on, what kind of resource would you go to, to get the answer? Yeah. Uh, so there are, and there are certain areas where uh, I'm looking to improve my expertise, sure. you know, this year and our, our inspectors are the same way. We've got, we really encourage the the inspectors to look at the different things where they want to, um, you know, improve as an expert. Right. So um, we were members of the American Society of Home Inspectors. And um, through that, they offer specific certifications yeah. and classes where, you know, you can become uh an expert on decking per se, mm. or really any of the components of the home. Sure. Um, so yeah, those are some of the ways so you that we go specialize. from general practitioner to surgeon and in, in particular areas. Yeah, there you go. That's, uh, that's, that's well put Greg. Yeah. Terry, what do you think's different about your company versus other companies? Well, um, one of the things is we do look at it like, um, this is a relationship, not a transaction. And, um, we try to build what is a customer service experience, right? Um, we look at it like this is not a home inspection company. This is a real estate services company. Mm. Um, how do we do that? A couple of different ways. We try to give the client the top-notch experience from start to finish. Uh, so when they call or click to book their home inspection, you know, from booking to availability to um, inspection process, report delivery, and everything along the way. Um, one of the things we do is we try to build a company that can serve all, all your needs in one place, mm -hmm. right? So you may need multiple inspections beyond the home inspection. You may need a sewer scope inspection, oil tank sweep, uh, radon testing, all of those kind of things too. So we try to make it convenient for the client and for the real estate agent. So you don't have multiple inspectors coming in to, uh, you know, schedule over multiple dates mm -hmm. and you can book everything with us with just one call or click. That's great. Just a one-stop shop. Yeah. You know, high level of concierge service to dealing with everybody. That's it. Yeah. So could you give us a couple of tips? So whether, whether it's the consumer, or if it's real estate agents, what are some tips about home inspection? What should people be looking out for? So, uh, a couple of tips for the inspection for inspection day is yeah. make sure the house is ready, right. you know, make sure it's ready for inspection. Um, it's better if the seller can vacate for the inspection time, usually. Mm -hmm. um, not that sellers can't be helpful, too. Sometimes they can point out things that are hidden that, you know, make it go faster. But overall, it's better not to have the seller on site. Um, and There's also, nothing wrong with that, Terry. No, go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sometimes I had a seller once. He kept turning the heat off. And I'm like, I, I got to test the heat. <laughs> but he kept turning it off, and I was chasing him around the whole house. Uh, so some of Back that. Back to tips, yeah. Um, Make sure the vehicles are off the site, you know, okay. so the oil tank sweep can can cover the entire property. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure animals are off the site. Dogs can be a little distracting to home inspectors uh, sometimes. Imagine. So, um, so there is that, and then also clutter. Um, you know, you want to be able to reach everything. A home inspection is what's visible and accessible. Sure. And so, if you can't reach the electric panel, you know, you're not going to be able to get to it. Yeah. Obviously, those are things you want to learn. So, um, so making sure the house is ready for inspection is definitely one thing. 
And then um, setting the buyer expectation is mm-hmm. really important. That's some of the things we talked about today. How long is it going to take? You know, if I can't be there at the beginning, does it really matter? Is that okay? Um, are you going to be there to answer my questions later? Can right. we have a FaceTime? You know, um, during the pandemic, we had buyers that didn't show up to inspection a lot of times. Right. And so, you know, we'd FaceTime with them during the inspection. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things are all really important. Um, how to conduct a radon test. You know, what, what are the conditions of the house for radon? So those are some of the things we always counsel with people too. And then, um, you know, clients often want to know, should I buy the house? Ooh, that's a, that's a question for, you know, really uh, for your real estate professional, not something that the, the home inspector is going to answer for you. And, and why is that? Well, there's so many factors, right? When you buy a house, right? like how much are you putting down? What's your interest rate? What's driving you to buy this house as opposed to a house down yeah. the block? Um, you know, what are you paying? Like, these are all things like yeah. you could buy any it's house. way there. too big of a conversation. Absolutely. And so uh, we counsel all of our inspectors, you know, you're going to be asked that question by clients. You get to ask that all the time. I a lot. Imagine. It's, yeah, it's often, it. but you have to know how to handle it. And that's a question we don't really answer. Right. They have a real estate professional. Our job is to give them information and mm-hmm. help them have a level of confidence in the house or in the things that need to be repaired in the house. Right. And then, um, you know, they're going to make those decisions based on all the information that they have that we don't. You know? Right. Makes sense, Terry. Now, if someone needed a home inspection in their consumer or a real estate agent needed to call you to talk about the home inspection process, what's the best way to reach out to you, Terry? So uh, a couple of different ways. One is our, our office line. We've got staff available seven days a week, yep. and that number is 908-325-3600. And then uh, you can always follow us on Instagram at uh, HomesafeInspectorsNJ, and you can order your inspection anytime at HomesafeInspectors.com. Oh, that's great. So you go right there, homesafeinspectors.com. And if someone went to that site, they'd be able to reach out to you or someone on the team as well? Yeah, sure. You can okay. contact, there's contact, uh, you know, availability through that site. Great. You can also see our availability. So if you're looking for an inspection on a certain day, you can go in and see when we've got availability, if it's on the day you need and book us uh, right oh, That'd there. be handy for a real estate agent trying yeah. to work in conjunction with the, with the buyer. Correct. Yeah. If you have a buyer who only has one day off a week or they're flying in to see a property, you know, and they only have one day, sure. check it out and see what our availability is and, you know, we can line it That's up. That's great, Terry. It's yeah. a pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, it sure was. It was a great conversation. Uh, uh, my great, pleasure. Great. Look forward to doing that inspection with you in the future. Me too. It's coming down the pipe. Pay attention. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to us today. Greg Wareham with Your Mortgage Process, along with Terry Darling. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham. Produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to catching up with you next week.